Luca pressed his to my again. It tickles, I hissed. Take a deep breath, he said in a low rumble. He looked up with a crooked smile. That usually helps. <laughs> he looked up, did he? <laughs> yes, he did. <laughs> and what, bitch? <laughs> Hello, hello, hello. Hi, Ben. Hi, Nicole. First of all, <laughs> shout out to that very 90s greeting you just yes. did. Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> uh, hi, how are you today? I am sweating like a pig. <laughs> I am just, it's hot in this room, but you know. It's hot all over. I really wish we were outside enjoying the heat, but I know. you know, it's fine. Know. We're healthy, it's- right? You know what? That really, I, I, every time I say it, I sound like an old church mother, but I do believe it. <laughs> we are healthy. There is much to be thankful for. Yes. Um, yeah, I feel you. I'm currently in my sweatbox closet uh, recording also, and um, I'm alleviating some of the heat by um, eating some chilled slash frozen grapes. Oh, sexy, Bim. Okay. You know what? I see you bringing the mood. Okay. Listen, my point of listen, there is a pandemic on. There is a lot of civil unrest. Like there's literally a series of rebellions and revolutions occurring right now. Mm -hmm. If I can add to that, uh, the sensuous image of uh, my teeth biting into a grape, I'm really pleased to do it. And I'm grateful to be of service. Yeah, this is what we need to do. We need to do a do the right thing. But like with female gaze thirst mm. element you know mm. so we've got all of this civil unrest there's a pandemic and then uh-huh. instead of like somebody you know rubbing ice cubes on somebody's nipples it's <laughs> somebody we'll see like a close-up of a woman peeling a frozen grape you know what i started laughing but i'm actually fully on board <laughs> i'm 100 percent on board let's do it let's do it <laughs> Um, this is the origin of a fantastic idea and uh, listeners you heard it first (laughs) um today i'm excited because we are going to talk about your foundational thirst um we talked a little bit about mine a couple episodes ago we did yeah very good episode yeah thanks i think we did a good job on that i think we did an excellent job now is not the time for false modesty you were amazing Uh, but we're gonna we're gonna hear about you today and mm-hmm. those childhood, adolescence, early adulthood crushes that you know brought you to this point where you are the thirst expert extraordinaire. You know what? Um, thank you so much. First of all, um, I'd like to thank my agent. Um, <laughs> I'd like to thank my parents. Uh, no, seriously, that is uh, that is incredibly validating. I feel like many of us. Um, actually have a thing that we know we are experts about Mm. but there never seems to be a place to kind of like display that Mm. and every time i'm recording an episode of this show with you i'm like wow i'm so glad that all this knowledge has a receptacle a really ready and willing receptacle (laughs) aka the podcast that we can like actually throw our expertise into so I'm always delighted, even when we are self-identifying as thirst experts, it's kind of like, no, we really, really are. And everyone has like, a, you know, childhood crushes, foundational crushes that they kind of hark back to and think about. And I really had to kind of rack my brains. Um, 
and I consulted the next best thing to my memory, which is my sister's memory. And mm. I was like, did I fancy a lot of people? And she just generally said, I think we, I think you fancied most people. <laughs> and I was like, fair, it was pretty boy crazy. Um, and just, I fancied everyone. Like one of my earliest memories of like crushing was on Diana Ross. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember being so overwhelmed by her beauty and her glamour that I crawled underneath the coffee table in our living room and just like cried because I was so overwhelmed. Oh, boom, baby, boom. I know, I know. I was just kind of like, she's, she's so beautiful. <laughs> and everyone's like, okay, we'll get out from under the table. And I was like, no, it's too much. It's too much. She was so beautiful. Um, so I've always been a crusher, shall we say. Uh, I crushed crushing. And so I had to kind of really kind of like dig deep to figure out the ones that I thought, oh, for sure, that set off like series of like, I don't know, some sort of um, some kind of base one, like the, mm-hmm. the, the, the bottom layer of like my first, like what was the, who were the people that kind of made me think, ooh, for that for life, right? Mm-hmm. Or like, that's a thing that I'm always gonna like think about. And I kind of narrowed it down as much as I could because like my sister said, I really wanted to kind of be like, oh, I fancied everyone, Nicole. Like <laughs> if you were a human person, or sometimes a casting character, I was in. So, you know, uh, it was... <laughs> I was very advanced very early, but I'm excited to kind of share with you some of my favorites of that very mixed bag. I'm intrigued because um, (laughs) I know you have a lot of, um, you know, pop culture favorites. So from like all different, like, you know, from the movies, from TV, music. So I'm really interested to see who, who it was that shapes the BIM that you are today. Well, Nicole, it's your lucky day. I'm about to dig deep. <laughs> it just sounds so disgusting. You know what? I didn't even mean it that way, bitch. But all right, lean into it. Lean into it. <sighs> Bam. You have such a mixed bag of thirst. I mean, <laughs> yes. There's no other way around it. You're completely 100% right. I, I'm a mixed bag myself. I understand. We are all complex. You know, it's it's fine. There's you know, no judgment here. I'm just saying. Thank you so much. Thank um, you. So I want to. Judgment in your eyes. No, 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 no. <laughs> um, so let's start with you know some kind of early childhood, I don't know, maybe tween years, maybe. Um, So who were you listening to? Who were you watching? That was like the one that just focused all of your attention. Okay, so I'm going to begin this journey (laughs) with a boy that I really, and I use boy literally because I was a girl and he was a boy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Could I make it any more obvious? But, um... I'm talking, of course, about Tevin Campbell. Ooh, that's unexpected. Tell me it's more. Vintage. Listen, <laughs> um, there is often times when I say something and I'm like, wow, I have put my date of birth very firmly in the 80s. <laughs> there's no shame. Campbell, no shame. No shame. There's no shame. Listen, we, listen, that's part of the reason why we are so amazing today is that we have these amazing sources. But Tevin Campbell, for me, he was someone who in the early 90s, mm-hmm which is when I was just coming out of like childhood into tweendom. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Tevin Campbell was incredibly important. First of all, that voice. Amazing. Just, uh, just an incredible singer. 
<laughs> like an angel on earth. I couldn't I couldn't understand. When he would sing, I'd be like, how is that coming out of his throat? Like, how is... Because I kept thinking, like, we both have throats. <laughs> we both have, like, larynxes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Why is it that when I sing... And I was a fine singer when I was younger. Mm-hmm. But how come I can't do those runs? How come I can't go that high or go that low why doesn't it sound like when when i heard seven campbell sing can we talk i was like i don't know seven can we He was, he has such a distinctive voice. Um, he was a little, you know, I'm a little older than you, so he was a little too yeah. young for me, but I recognized that he was, he was special. yeah, he had incredible talent. Um, he did. That, you know, the people, the adults um, around him recognized, like Prince and Quincy yes. Jones, and those were, yes. you know. Baby face. Yeah. Like people who were kind of like, wait, this is like, he he reminded me I, I kept imagining what it must have been like for Barry Gordy to discover Stevie Wonder mm-hmm. and just kind of be like wait a goddamn minute like this is star quality mm-hmm. and Tevin had that in spades and like I remember listening to him and just like hugging myself <laughs> you know just kind of like this is I bet he'd be a really wonderful 14 year old boyfriend you know what I mean <laughs> yes yes because I was about the same age and I was like yeah I bet he's just like super sweet super kind like I bet he asks you what you like to drink and then he gets it for you which you know the bar was very right low yeah back then. right I was just really into the idea of just like sweet lovely and you know because of the timing and how we didn't know how to market people or maybe that was how we chose to market people they often put him in these little suits right these that there were um oversized and, yes. <laughs> and like double breasted yes. like big lapels yes. and he always looked like he was slightly drowning and that triggered something in me I was like oh my god he's like he's like a tiny man <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know that age when girls kind of fancy people who aren't that far away from them because mm-hmm. it's safe mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Tevin Campbell was like the venue of all my safe fantasies of what a boy should be mm-hmm. you know like he was just like the landing spot for every projection I had about you know oh is that your first boyfriend yeah that's Tevin you know what I mean like mm-hmm. he just he, he fits so perfectly into my ideal and I remember kind of feeling incredibly validated when I watched that episode of uh, The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air yes yes and Ashley yeah Ashley loved him (laughs) I was like Ashley meet you same (laughs) and that was another validation for me like if Ashley Banks fancies him then Mm -hmm. who am I to be resistant to his charms his obvious charms and he had like a really soft, sweet spoken voice. Like he sings happy birthday to her. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Ashley. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Ashley. And at the end of it, he says, Happy birthday, Ashley. And his voice is so soft. 
and she faints dead away and I was like same yes same yes yes it's really I mean you know maybe that's for another episode but it's really something about the way uh teenage heartthrobs male teenage heartthrobs are kind of I don't want to say feminized, but in order to make them safe for both the young girls for, that are yes. targeted and for the parents, you know, mm-hmm. the the boys have to come across as very like soft and gentle yes. and yes. soft spoken and yes. you know tender. And we'll have your daughter home by curfew. Yeah, and we'll not take advantage, and we'll give her a respectful peck on the cheek as opposed to like you know putting his fingers up her skirt you know what i mean right there's an element of trying to appeal to exactly that the parents and like you know mr banks who in future episodes would go on to be kind of weird about actually dating or being a sexual kind of person Mm -hmm. you know there's an indulgent smile because it's tevin campbell like how bad can he be you know what i mean yeah 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 So yeah, Seven Campbell was very important to me. And I put him in a class of kind of like boy next door, American imports, kind mm-hmm. of like um, when I think about my crushes in any kind of grouping. Mm-hmm. So it was him, but also I was doing a lot of um, consuming of teenage boys on American sitcoms because we had a bunch of stuff exported. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so I want to talk about Dwayne Wayne from oh, A Different World. Listen. <laughs> Kadeem Hardison to this day if he turned up I'd be like all right let's go like wow I was so I understand that he was meant to be like this geeky guy who was kind of like mooning after Denise Huxtable like Mm -hmm. I think he was meant to be like a sort of like a silly a silly creature sort of like who was like you know because Denise is like this cool bean Mm -hmm. you know she's Mm -hmm. come from like Brooklyn and she's out in this HBCU and living her best light skin life and all that stuff Mm -hmm. and this guy with his silly little glasses and his big hair and his like patchwork clothes and whatever was meant to be a sort of a a figure of fun Mm -hmm. for us to kind of be like oh look at that guy mooning over her but he developed over the years yes yes (laughs) into loving on another light skin woman (laughs) but you know we like what we like eh? I mean, shout out to all my uh, lightly melanated sisters. Proud of you. You're doing amazing. (laughs) Kathleen Cleaver is looking down proud of you right now. But like, really and truly, I looked at Dwayne and I was like, again, I think it was an element of like safe boys next door. Mm -hmm. Um, And he was in many ways a continuation of my Tevin Campbell fixation of just kind of like, God, I imagine he's just like a really sweet, loyal poppy. I think I think of these people as just kind of like people who I think were not necessarily there to challenge me, but was a kind of like, they'd be there to sort of um, make me feel good mm-hmm. about myself, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And Dwayne, I think, was so clear about how much he adored the very ground that Whitley walked on mm-hmm. that I was like, please cut me off a slice. I would very much like that. And he also seemed like a guy who was like, he was conscious, which I was, you know, again, right. shout out to the aunt years. Yes. Um, <laughs> he was just somebody that I just, I just thought, oh God, yeah, you imagine you can grow with him and you would all, you'd end up in a happy place. Like he was a person that I imagined as when people will talk about a childhood sweetheart. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was like, if Dwayne had grown up next door to me, I would absolutely have been in love with him. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. not because he was especially cool or anything, but he was there, which is very important when you're that age. Yeah. But also he seemed like a good man. And I think, especially now when I think of, portrayals of like anti-heroes on tv and so on 
there is such a concerted effort um, right now to kind of show these complex creatures who are battling with the light and the dark and whatever. And Dwayne had like very special episodes on a different world and whatnot, you know, talking about drugs in a city, blah, 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 or blackness or whatever. And I'm like, ah, we get it. This is like a, this is, this is going to be the vessel through which we learn about some kind of issue. And mm-hmm. that's cool, whatever. But I, what I liked about him was that for the most part, he just, he was a good boy. He was just a good boy who became a good man and he's probably a very good man still. Like he and Whitley are in their little house in Washington Heights. They're happy, they, you know, their kids are doing great. Mm-hmm. You know, they go to homecoming religiously every year. They're just like great people. I'm sure they uh, have a nice uh, donation set up uh, on a monthly Legacy. basis to Legacy. give back to the school. That's black love right there. <laughs> and I was into it and I was like, yes, give me some of that. So Dwayne, and also I loved his glasses. You know, I say this all the time. If people see it on our Tumblr. I love a man in glasses. Wait, your eyes are also slightly ruined. Let's get it on. Like, that's it. Like, why don't we give our kids terrible eyesight? Yes, let's do it. You know, like I'm very into that. Uh, and also, Dwayne was very loyal. Like he fought for his friends. There was a um, so they went to this cabin, like you know, on the beach or something. And um, Freddie was there, Whitley. And some kind of way they got their backs mixed up with these men who were drug dealers. And so they, of course, of course. So Freddie and Whitley had the drug dealers bag of stolen bad stuff, you know, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) And the guys came, you know, to try to get their stuff. Well, some kind of way, I don't know what happened. I can't remember, you know, how they get there. But Dwayne and Ron, his best friend, crashed the situation and you know they realize what's going on and so Dwayne like jumps the the guys they start fighting and everything see because he was like you're not going to treat my friends this way and all this kind of stuff there was another incident um another episode where uh Jaleesa was singing the national anthem and Dean Kane he was he was on this episode of course Uh, it was a different time eh? a different time but giving us a preview of current day Dean Kane because (laughs) Jalisa was singing it, uh, singing the national anthem, and he made some kind of racist remark. And so Dwayne was like, hold up now. I'm going to have to punch you in your face. You know, like he was real. Yes. Like, yes. I- Take charge. Yes, yes. Yes. So Dwayne. Like, I love a cultured gentleman who is not afraid to throw hands as the occasion requires. Yes. So he was clearly, you know, a well-educated man. He had, His mother right. was Patty LaBelle. Um, Listen. <laughs> I was like, that is the blackest mother they could have found for you, Dwayne. Yes. And like, he was uh, he was a good friend and he was a good romantic partner because Whitley was clearly very satisfied. I mean, Whitley walked around like the cat that got the cream because I think she did. Like, she was... Whitley looked like a woman who was kind of like, oh, don't worry about me. Don't worry about me. And you know what? I never worried about her. And the other thing to point out that I really like, which is something that I still enjoy in my fiction now is Dwayne was a very good piner. Mm, yes, yes. He loved Whitley. Like he is the person, you know, when you read about women who say, oh, my mother told me that a, a man should always love a woman more than she loves him mm-hmm, for mm-hmm, a happy relationship. Mm-hmm. That is the epitome of Dwayne and Whitley. Like, mm-hmm. I, I remember kind of thinking to myself, like, oh, that's good advice. Like, I think my mother has also said this over the years. And I'm like, yeah, I believe you. And I think a big part of the thing that confirmed that for me was Dwayne and Whitley. Like, Whitley was a spoiled Southern belle mm-hmm. 
And every so often, Dwayne would get like stern with her, which, ow, hey. Right, yes, hey. yes. But other times, he was a complete fool for her. Mm-hmm. And I loved the absolute dedication. Like, he loved Whitley. And he started off as a sort of like a crush. And you think, well, you don't really know the person, so how much can you really love? Mm-hmm. You know, you, you love the idea and so on and so forth. Then, of course, came the wedding scene. Yes. Where he crashes the wedding to Byron. Yes. Will you? Listen to those who ask the questions, Bubba. Whitley, oh. I love you, and if you'll have me, I want you to be my wife. What the hell are you doing? Hey, I'm sorry, Byron, I love her. Duh, yes, duh. Let them go, man. Will you have me, Dwayne, as your lawfully wedded husband from this day forth to having a home and richer for poorer? Baby, please, please. I do. And he was like, baby, please. <laughs> and at home, I was like, please, Whitley, please. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I mean. It was the begging heard around the world. I mean, oh. the reaction. I mean, I remember kind of thinking to myself, like, man, I wish I had somebody. I wish I had a wedding to break up. Like, I'm, I want someone to do this at my wedding to an unsuitable man. Like, this is perfect. And I just loved and I love Whitley's mom's reaction, which was, you die. And I was yeah. like, same, I hear you, I hear you. <laughs> Diane Carroll, RIP, I hear you. But I loved so much just the passion. It always felt like there was like a barely banked passion that the right thing would ignite it. And mm-hmm. that was exciting and thrilling to me as a teenager, as a tweenager, I suppose, mm-hmm. where I was kind of like, oh, that seems exciting. Mm-hmm. And that feels like a model for the thing that I should be looking for, where a man is obviously absolutely in love with me mm-hmm. and is not afraid to kind of like show that in like really big gestures but also in small ones like he knew he patently knew that his girlfriend later his wife was sort of a ridiculous creature mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and he was like well i choose her yeah. so yeah. get on our level and i loved that without even being able to articulate that at the time mm-hmm. now i look back and i'm like oh that's what that's what was attracting me here it was a man who understood that yeah you all see whitley how you see her and that's fine but how I see her is an imperfect being that I love. Mm-hmm. So you're all just going to get on board. And now that I have the vocabulary and the, the knowledge to kind of articulate that, it makes me love him even more, like in hindsight. Now, Tevin Campbell and Dwayne mm-hmm. Wayne, yeah, they kind of look alike. You know, like you could a, say that, sure. a, a slim, brown-skinned man, you know, yes. a little nerdy uh-huh. and, you know, a little unassuming. Yes. Right? That's my catnip, yes. But we have a third gentleman from... <laughs> the boy next door. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Who looks nothing like these two. <laughs> he does not. He does not look anything like them. <laughs> we are talking about Pacey Witter. Oof. Now, listen. Now, we've done we, a, Yeah, we did a whole episode on Joshua Jackson. A whole episode. <laughs> and the bulk of that was about Pacey. Right. Because Pacey really imprinted on me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, I started watching Dawson's Creek when it came on. I was a teenager. And, you know, the show is called Dawson's Creek. So you're like, oh, I bet Dawson is going to be the person to kind of fix my gaze on. And I think somewhere in the second or third episode, I was like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's just not like it's just not I'm sorry but it's not 
And it became so clear to me that he was very much the Trojan, like Dawson was the Trojan horse mm -hmm. and Pacey was the army inside. Mm -hmm. Like he was the thing that made the thing go. Mm -hmm. And I think about Pacey, um, and you can listen to the whole episode about this, but I think about Pacey as the sort of emotionally available, emotionally aware, absolute heartthrob that shaped so many of my interactions like with real boys and real men of just kind of like are you willing to buy me a metaphorical wall <laughs> right because if you are not there is a fictional boy who is literally doing that for some joey potter and mm -hmm. if i can just get to him i bet he'd do the same for me so if you're not bringing that energy of wall buying to this what are we even doing mm -hmm. and pacey was a big like pacey again a clear a clear case of oh adults are writing this character there is no teenage boy on earth like this right mm -hmm. he just couldn't be real he couldn't be real and i think even as a kid i was like yeah i know he's not real <laughs> but I know. yeah but but. <laughs> but and he would do these things which at the time were thrilling to me like when he would kiss joey he would hold her face yes in a <laughs> wow that really hit you <laughs> yes I <laughs> that came from your shoulder you were like yes but like imagine watching that when you're 18 years old 17 years old and you're kind of like rah like i mean i was watching it in my early 40s and i was like exactly. who the fuck is pacey what's going on here what does he know about this <laughs> exactly and i was like sure they wrote amazing lines and he you know my point is, though, that more than the lines was the delivery. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. Pacey seemed to me to be a master of timing. He was the person who knew what to say, for the most part anyway, knew what to say, when to say it. And the tone of voice was always just right. Like that speech he gives in the final episode where he's like, I'm letting you off the hook. Mm -hmm. And like, on the one hand, it's like the most annoying kind of martyrdom. Like, fine. Right. But on the other, it's someone kind of being like, you know what, I've been doing some work on myself and I've held you in a weird position and it's been unfair to you. And what I'm going to try and do is just like walk away from this because this is an unhealthy way of being and I'm trying to move on. And in that moment, again, I just remember kind of thinking, because, you know, it, the, the finale came years after, you know, I'd originally falling in love with him. Yeah. And I was like, in my head, just kind of like, I was right to love you. <laughs> like... You've confirmed for me my own good taste. Thank you, Pacey Whitton. <laughs> okay, so we've got The Boys Next Door with uh -huh. Tevin Campbell, Dwayne Wayne, and Pacey Witter. Yes. But then we've kind of moved, you know, you're moving into adulthood. Yes college life uh -huh. all that kind of good stuff and you're starting to um feel attracted to more grown men shall we say yes okay yes and i <laughs> that that quiet voice okay yes nicole yes but i will also say that there is some crossover from childhood tweenhood teenagehood into kind of like you know university so it's like it's more of a continuum okay all right you know uh-huh 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 but but we've got um we've got dr ian malcolm aka yes. jeff goldblum yes 
Okay. In the Jurassic Park movies. All right. right so listen. All right, so listen. <laughs> One more time. All right, so listen. <laughs> I was very much still a tween when Jurassic Park was like in my consciousness. Okay. And I don't think I looked at Dr. Ian Malcolm and was like, mm, "Break me off a piece of that," right? Like I wasn't, I wasn't in that mode of life mm-hmm. just yet. Mm-hmm. But I remember kind of thinking, "Humst, is that lizard-like motherfucker?" Yes in the black shirt with the black trousers doing that loose-limbed sexy walk across the screen because my god Ian Malcolm is essentially a dynamo like he's like sex on legs right Mm -hmm. like he's meant to be like the cool leather jacket sunglass wearing kind of like you know guys I think it might be a bad idea like he's basically the conscience of the film like I'm a bad boy I love science okay I love the possibilities but do we want to be bringing fucking dinosaurs into the world? Like, I appreciated that because that was me. I'm a cautious person. I'm like, <laughs> I love possibility, but dinosaurs, I have a line. Dinosaurs is my line. And I remember looking at Ian Malcolm and kind of being like, mm, I don't know what it is, but I'm attracted to this character. I just, I want to keep watching him. And then came the later movies. And then Dr. Ian Malcolm had a daughter. Yes, who was black. Bitch. And a very brown black. Listen, me and her could be twins. Unidentical, but twins. And at that point, I was like... Mm-hmm. Is it? And again, it's, is it? The thing is, it's very icky because you're like, oh, I, I don't want to... You know I, you know how I feel about daddies and that weird way? Yes, yeah. I'm here for it. But... But... I was like, if you are a father to a black girl... Then you could be a husband to a black woman, and that black woman could be me. Q E motherfucking D. And that was my maths for the day. That just really put me in a place of like, oh, comfort. Like, all right, I was right to fancy you. Like the confirmation. I was like, mm, okay. If you can love a black child, then you could love me. <laughs> now, I didn't watch, I've never seen any of the Jurassic Park movies uh, in wow. their, yeah, in their entirety. But I do remember watching or i think maybe my sister was watching um that second one where the daughter shows up on tv and i was like walking through the room and i saw them together i was like whose little girl is that supposed to be (laughs) 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 she told me and i was like oh so i've never forgotten it from that moment um right but like i remember jeff goldblum from earth girls are easy this movie where he plays this alien that comes to the planet with um jim carrey and damon wayans senior now um and there's a they they come to the earth and they're all covered in fur right they look like little toys or something and so gina davis's character uh takes them to get grooms and so all their hair is removed so they can look more human-like. Right. And the pod opens up and Jeff Goldblum comes out and of course he is uh, bare-chested. He might have been totally naked, but he, you know, is not wearing any clothes. He's gleaming, if I remember correctly. Gleaming and his eyebrow is doing that little little arch like, what's going on here? You know, like that. (laughs) And his hair that was uncanny. That was uncanny. <laughs> Thank you. And his <laughs> hair is um, full of all of you know the curls, and it swooped and you know, but yes. trimmed and everything. And I was like, I will never forget this man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, exactly. 
Um, you know, so I understand where Thank you're coming you. from, the Jeff yes. Goldblum attraction. I think many people out there uh, are feeling you and, you know, sometimes yeah. attractions change for whatever reason. Oh, and, for sure. For sure. And, I, you know, like, I feel like there are all sorts of stories kind of swirling and you have to kind of be like, well, it's, it's a dangerous game fancying men uh, in 2020 mm-hmm, and mm-hmm, beyond. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say that in terms of foundational crushes, I can't whatever comes to light comes to light whatever but i can't shake yes what it meant to me to watch dr ian malcolm walk across the screen past a big pile of dinosaur poo (laughs) in his black on black ensemble Mm -hmm. his hair curling gently in the breeze Mm -hmm. and i was like oh shit And so as you moved away from the boys next door, you know, we talked about this person a few times now, but Bruce Willis as David yes. Addison in Moonlighting, clearly Listen. not the boy next door. Not um, at all. Not even the man next door. <laughs> I mean, we covered this when Jason Manzoukas was on the show about capable men mm-hmm. who act and look like capable men. Mm-hmm but also have a quip, but also a soft and tender when they're required to be. Yeah, yeah. But also, like, you know, can throw a punch, can take a punch. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, yeah. those dudes. Yeah. Again, I feel like that taste is permanently locked in the 80s and 90s for me. It's a very weird sort of, like, throwback feeling or admitting to fancying that. hmm But every so often, David Addison, a.k.a. Bruce Willis, would say something to Maddie and he would twist his lips into like some <laughs> sardonic smirk situation mm-hmm. and I would just fan myself like excuse me <laughs> I found him to be the hottest thing on two legs like I was obsessed with it I remember looking at boys who had smiles like Bruce Willis and I was like yes that's the shit <laughs> <laughs> boom you were trying to find your own David Addison I was I was like let's start a blooming agency right here I'm in like I was all the way so into Bruce Willis and like the biggest legacy of that for me is that I am so attracted to bald dudes mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah we've talked about this I mean and that's because Bruce Willis was at that point beginning to bald <laughs> yes before he took it all off yeah right, right yeah and when he took it all off I was like do that shit again right yes. like run by me one more time love it you know it's interesting to see how hair the way hair and masculinity um run together you know Mm -hmm. it's like when the man is balding but he still has it you know so we can see the receding hairline it's like yeah okay dude you know whatever but once he's you know once he takes it all the way off Yes. suddenly he's this very manly man now is it because it's brave of him to go bald completely bald i don't right. know because i think I you know, know obviously you've got yul brenner you've got um yes. kojak yes. you know you've got shout out to you telly <laughs> yes r.i.p brother <laughs> um you know all these different uh, michael jordan of course yes all these different men who make bald head baldness such a masculine thing but like heading into it it's not so much i think i think yeah i think there's something about 
the quote unquote bravery of taking it all off mm -hmm. because we've been told that you know long hair is a sign of virility fertility fecundity mm -hmm. as it were and if you take if you don't have it then you're somehow less than which is obviously a very old idea right. but i think there is something for me in the the act of it it's like i'm getting ahead of it it's, there's a proactive element to it that i really really I'm drawn to because kind of like listen we can't be doing with wisps mm -hmm. you know yeah yeah Just take the fucker off and I'm like yes let's do that tops off let's go like right. there's something exciting about that and it's the other thing with Bruce Willis it's like before him I don't really think that I thought <laughs> bold men who are white really pulled that look off mm -hmm. I feel like it's a very short hop skip and a jump into some really dodgy territory where I'm kind of like, what are your political leanings for? <laughs> this is very true. <laughs> you know, it's kind of yeah. like, well, you know, I grew up in the UK and Nigeria and like, I know all about the skinhead culture mm -hmm. where I'm just kind of like, this doesn't feel safe. <laughs> Lol. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm but laughing, I'm like, but I, I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> it's, a light, it's a laugh born of terror. Yes. I'll tell you that. Yes. So I was like, I don't know how to feel about bold dudes who are white but i know how to feel about bold dudes who are black like they are crooning something sexy they mm -hmm. are being manly men that's good for me like i'm all into that mm -hmm. but bruce willis i was kind of like oh white bold people are not bad <laughs> <laughs> you know like oh maybe you're not a neo-nazi cool beans good to know <laughs> Uh, now, this next person I am not familiar with because I did not watch ER. Oh, my so, God. This is real 90s shit. Right? Yeah, yeah. Dr. Luka Kovac. Is that right? Okay, so listen. Yes, he is a Croatian doctor who comes to, to, to the ER and he kind of cuts a swathe because he's kind of like a dangerous dude. He's kind of like a he's he's seen some shit. You know, he's lived through the fucking Serbian war. Like he knows some shit. You know what I mean? Mm hmm. And they had he had like this really lovely accent um, because he was European and, uh, <laughs> you know, they were being. Oh, I've seen him before. Of course okay. you have. Yes. He was in Practical Magic. Like he's uh -huh. he had a sort of dangerous kind of like if you saw him turn up and he was playing like a sort of killer, you'd be like, yeah, he's got a killer's face. Like uh -huh, it makes sense. Uh -huh. Uh, you but know, then this, this goes back to Jason Manzuka saying you, we've got to go to European countries. We've got to go outside of America to get like man. Yes. <laughs> and he has a definite like danger underneath yes. the chiseled jaw. Like there's the something. The chiseled jaw. I mean, when I first saw him, I remember kind of like, who cast this motherfucker? I'm in. Like, who is? And then he and then he spoke. He had like this voice on him, mm -hmm. and he had like the longest fucking lashes. And he was kind of like this bad boy, but you could tell it was coming from like a well of pain. You know, mm -hmm. he'd lost so much, mm -hmm. and you were kind of like, oh my god, how can I help you replace some of that? I know I can't do all of it, but I'm really willing to try, Luca. First of all, Luca is also a very hot name. Yes, it is. I love and it. And it's Luca with a K. I yes. mean, I was like, oh my God, put a K name? Yes, Luca. <laughs> yes. I was all the way in. You were just, and you just wanted any part of him. Like that. That's, you know what? Good point. Well made. That's correct. Yes. 
But the striking, the striking thing on him, and I know you'll like this. He had like long hair in mm-hmm. in the ER. Like he would sometimes swoop over his eyes in a very dramatic way, which I know you would approve of if you had watched the ER at the time. Yeah. And you combine that with a white coat and some kind of authorities trying to save some motherfucker's life, and you're like, yes, Luca, take it. <laughs> but. <laughs> The thing, the feature on his face that just, again, a hallmark of everybody I fancy is he has a nose. Yes, I'm looking at it right now. Right now. In profile or full on, that nose. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I don't even know what I wanted from that nose, but I know I wanted a lot from it. You know? Yeah. You know, like... I was looking at him and I was just kind of like, man, I just, I could feel it on the side of my face if I really concentrated enough. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's not what I thought you were going to say, but I'm glad I mean, you said. I, I feel like anybody else can make the leap that you clearly just did as well. <laughs> but I was a little bit too young to be thinking about that at that point. But let me tell you something. Years later, mm-hmm. I'm just kind of like, yeah, if you have a characterful nose yet again Mm -hmm. i'm already in the car like pull up wow let's go wow it's such a good nose though like it's big it's kind of angular so was he was he on er the whole time because like no he was not he was not he was introduced like at some point in the run of it and then he exited also before the end of the show okay so he kind of blew in like a hurricane, a hot hurricane with a big nose. And then he kind of swooped out and he fell in love with the, the character, Abby, who was played by Maura Tierney. Okay. Uh-huh. And it was like a really tempestuous affair and it was kind of whatever. But I loved, I loved them together. When he would get so tender with Abby, he kind of like press him, his face close to hers. Mm-hmm. And you'd be like, oh my God, I am, I want you to kiss her, but then I also want you to kiss me. Like, I thought he was just like the sexiest thing. And a lot of it, he was kind of terse. He didn't speak, his English was very good, but Mm -hmm. it was heavily accented. And I think they made a lot of his sentences kind of like short, Mm. declarative, Mm -hmm. and kind of like to the point. Mm -hmm. And that just really did it for me. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh shit, a language barrier, hot. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like I'm into it. Mm -hmm. I was really into Dr. Luca. Like I remember, I remember at that point, I kind of like done away with a lot of like reading thick. Mm-hmm. And I went back online and I was like, I wonder who's out there writing fic about Dr. Luca, man. Like, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna dive in. I wanna, I wanna read about this motherfucker. <laughs> Did you, you find know? what you were looking for? I mean, I found, a, I found a version of what I was looking for. None uh-huh. of them had any female characters called Bim, for example. So okay. that was difficult. No. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But you know, yeah, I, I always thought of him as just kind of like this sort of. To me, he was kind of like the epitome of one of my big romantic, um, I suppose, ideals of someone. Mm-hmm. You know, we, I don't believe in soulmates. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's too many of us spread out over too massive an earth. Mm-hmm. But like, I always harbor a thing at the back of my mind that what if I met, what if my soulmate, or whatever the closest thing to that, existed in another country and then by some twist of fate, they turned up at my place of work. And whenever there's like a foreign character that is brought into the show, whatever show, I'm always kind of like, huh, I wouldn't be averse to that love story yeah or it's like it's not some next person in your building or in your whatever it's like an express delivery for you mm-hmm. from abroad mm-hmm. like it's airmail yeah it's coming in and you're kind of like oh my god the package is for me mm-hmm. i always love the idea of that so much and luca kind of fit 
into that of just kind of like oh my god the hot foreigner who i'm not supposed to fall in love with but guess what bitch the universe said yes you will (laughs) i love that love it Now, your next guy, we've talked about him before on a little bit on the show, but also just between the two of us, because I'm feeling you. I understand. David Duchovny. All right. Now. okay, now. Oh, that nose. That nose. I would I would legitimately really like to know what does it do? I just want to know what it do. I I have a genuine scholarly interest. Like, what are you saying, David? Call me. (sighs) Now, that is a white boy with flavor. Like, he's got, like, something. Something. I don't know. Swagger, sauce, whatever you want to call it. Something. Like, he radiates sexual tension. He, to me, is, like, one of the few unqualified radiators of bde mm. like just straight up we're just kind mm. of like i believe anything like I, f- I i like i just you know you look at someone and you do that stereotypical thing of like biting your straw mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or like just like cutting your eyes or making them real big mm-hmm. like if i was to be in the same space as david duchovny i think i would do all of those stereotypical behaviors like i'd be like oh my god like i would be out there doing like a cartoon character who has to kind of roll up their tongue. Yeah, yeah. I find him so hot. Like, and yeah. it's not even kind of like handsome, which he is or whatever. It's hot. Like, yeah. I, there's just something about him. And and the other thing as well is like, the nose is amazing. And mm-hmm. you know I love a big nose. Mm-hmm. But it's the nose in conjunction with his lips. Mm-hmm. And the cocktail mm-hmm. together wow yeah. i'm actually i'm finding myself vigorously yes. in this sweat box of a studio because suddenly it's not just the temperature it's my feelings like, <laughs> i'm very hot right now like i'm having to yeah i'm having to swallow saliva like, yeah what? no see There's i watched um i watched the show californication Bitch, um, so did I. I didn't finish it but i watched Neither did I. <laughs> I got enough yes because I do think that they were just like really running that into the ground, how, really uh, you know, sexually appealing he was. And I just yes. like, okay, this is getting a little too corny, a little too yes. like. Yes. I'm actually used to that with female characters. So I was like, oh, it's refreshing that you've done this with a dude, but yeah. also enough now. Yeah. <laughs> but it just felt so much like, you know, when you have these white men who write novels where they're clearly just acting out their fantasies. Uh, so you much know. masturbatory content. Yes, yes, yes. And so that's yes. how I felt about the show. I hate Which you. was good. You know, I recognize It was good it was, up to a point. Yeah. And then it got not good. Yes. So um, I think they kind of, that kind of ruined him a little bit for me. I had to like take a break from from him. Um, yeah. And then the reboot of X-Files happened and yes. um, so 
that show was fine. The reboot was okay. But yeah. the promotional stuff, again, with him and Jillian Anderson and them playing up that chemistry between them and Oof. all the stuff that's unsaid, that's, you know, left back in the past and whatever else, whatever else may have or may not have happened. I mean. I loved all, give it to me. I don't care if it's fake. Just, yes, just give exactly. it to me. <laughs> that line that you just said is exact. I don't care if it's fake. Like, I'm invested, honey. And this thing is, I didn't watch X-Files as a teenager. It wasn't yeah. really, I watched a little bit of it, but it wasn't like one of my shows. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Same. And so I kind of missed that version of Fox Mulder. I acknowledge him as a hottie, you know, mm-hmm. a G-man who also believes in things that are outside of this world. You know, and I love that they also cast him as a wide-eyed kind of like believer and they cast her as a skeptic. I was like, okay, I see mm-hmm. what you did there. I mm-hmm. don't hate it. So I didn't really get into Fox in that way. But I remember there was a terrible show that used to come up on Channel 5 in the UK called The Red Shoe Diaries. Yes. And it was basically softcore fuckery. Yes, it was awful. Yes, yes. It was awful. <laughs> um, and I would, it would come up at about 11.30 at night on Channel 5. Mm-hmm. And my little pervy eyes would be like wide open, like, let's go. <laughs> and... <laughs> He was kind of like the presenter in a way that like he would read these letters, these red shoe diaries. Mm-hmm. And he would, you know, he'd start reading it. He would be walking on a beach somewhere with a dog, a faithful dog. And, you know, the, it would start with his voiceover and he'd be reading through it, and then it would kind of go into the acting of it. Mm-hmm. And then you'd be like, oh, OK. And of course, the acting was kind of like softcore, like it was it was yeah. trash. I'm yeah. like, how much did they pay you, David? Like, how desperate were you for a gig? Um, <laughs> But every so often in those in those episodes, he'd be wearing like a long coat um, and he just looked like the epitome of a 90s boyfriend mm. in a way that I was just kind of like, I love all of this. I mm-hmm. I was so I, I, I would watch. This is the thing for someone who was clearly tuning in to see like, you know, side boob or whatever. Mm-hmm. I was really kind of taken with the fully clothed man at the top of the show. Of just kind of being like, oh my god, I don't even care that much about the story to come. I'm mm-hmm. just really looking at this very handsome man. He would do like little smiles. Yes. And they were all kind of like, just like, you know, like, oh, you've caught me off guard. You know, those yes. kinds of things. Yes. You're just kind of like, oh, all right. He's okay. really good at doing those little smiles that indicate only you and he knows the secret. Yes. And he wants other people to know that the secret is just between the two of you and they yes. can't have it. Yes. <laughs> Bill. Yes. I would be so disappointed if it turned out that he was terrible in bed. Stop. Stop. <laughs> don't put that don't put that energy into the world. Don't do it. <laughs> Even as a thought exercise. Don't do it. <laughs> Whew. Oh my goodness. Okay, but we've got two honorable mentions. Yes. That, okay. I'm just. Okay. <laughs> no, you've already made your judgment clear. So we're not going to linger, friend. Right. But I just wanted to throw these in there because if we are talking about foundational thirsts, right? right? Like yes. we can point to Tevin Campbell and Dwayne Wayne and Pacey Witter as sort of like the part of me that even now is looking for an earnest boy who is kind of like sort of devoted to me and is just kind of like really sweet and has almost no edge to him. It's just kind of like a good person who is emotionally intelligent and present and it's just going to be a supportive partner. And we can look at Dr. Ian Malcolm and Bruce Willis as like dangerous boys who make you feel like, mm, I guess I could, you know, I could switch it up a bit, like that feeling. And if you also want to talk about Dr. Luca and his nose, Jeff Goldblum and his nose, David Duchovny and his nose, that is still very present in what I'm looking for these days. I'm not even kidding. Like, 
post quarantine, just find me a big nosed bald dude. I'm like, all right, let's go. Wow. Yeah. I'm just saying. I think you're just gonna elope, like, I listen, uh, in a moment. I'm, <laughs> I'm really ready to. I'm. I, I listen. This time next year, I'll be married. Don't worry about it. But um. <laughs> This pandemic has turned you out. The I quarantine am a, I has am a, ruined you. I am a horn dog. I'm so sorry, everyone. It's because there's no outlet for any of this. I'm just in my house all day. I'm so sorry, everyone. <sighs> yes, it was a lot. But that was a, that's, it's quite the mixed bag. I'm well aware yes, of this. Yes. But I also can't stop myself. No, this was fantastic. <laughs> was it? I learned so much about you. I mean, I'm so sorry. I, you're not meant to see like the too deep down because it's it's a mess. It's a mess in there. But I'm glad. I'm glad I shared a little bit of uh, the thirst cupboard that I basically, you know, there's no order to it anymore. I have to kind of like stand on the door in order to shut it because yeah. it's just kind of like this makes no sense. Yeah. This is a collection that makes no sense. <laughs> And you're right. <laughs> but, you know, again, it just speaks to the many layers mm. that make you. And that's oh. why we love you. Oh, Nicole. Wow. <laughs> this is the most sincere thing you said to me on air. <laughs> I can't believe this is what precipitated it. It's my terrible bag of foundational crushes. And you're like, wow, we love you. I don't think you have ever said I love you to me in your life. And now on this show, when I revealed that I used to fancy Dr. Luca from ER and Tevin Campbell, you're like, wow, Bim, I love you. Wow. Is that what it takes? Wow. Well, Bim, I've learned so much about you today. <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad to have been uh, teaching you something today about myself. I don't know if it's all good. I don't know what it says about me fully, but I'm glad uh, to widen the palette, as it were, of our knowingness of each other. Much like you did a few weeks ago, where I'm like, oh, I see. Now I get it. Everything becomes clear, right? That's the one. Everything is illuminated. <laughs> um, well, you have, uh, you know, you've given us quite a list of people to choose from um, sure. for today's fanfic wars. So I'm very interested to see who you actually wrote about, uh, who you wrote your travel about. Right. Well, the thing is, mm. um, I, to be honest, I, I made a list that big, not even for me. I did it so that you would have the option of so many people. Oh, thank you. I appreciate you thinking <laughs> of me. <laughs> Nicole, you're so welcome. It's literally all I do is think about you. Um, but I kind of I, I went back and forth on this because, like you said, the list was so long, like trying to kind of like whittle this down. I was like, man, I really have a lot of feelings about a lot of people. Um, but in the end, I went for the one that I think caught me maybe at my most romantic oh. or at least my most idealized version. OK. Um, and specifically, I'm talking about... <laughs> the character and not the person necessarily <laughs> yes <laughs> i think you know who i'm talking about of course i'm talking about Dwayne wayne um <laughs> i had such a crush on Dwayne wayne i can't even I, i'm smiling just thinking about <laughs> it but he is the person that i have uh put my uh my drabble energies towards uh this week and i hope you enjoy it I'm i don't even know what this is but it feels like wish fulfillment slash like <laughs> really and truly what i was thinking of at the time like 
My God, I, I believe it. Dwayne is a great boyfriend. All right. I mean, Let's... you know, that's what that's what white male authors do all the time, right? All their books are wish fulfillment. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> so I'm we... gonna call it the Franzen method or the Roth method. Yes. This is me right now. Yeah, this is the added woman method. I'm Mary suing myself into my dream life. <laughs> all right, here we go. Dwayne was doing an exaggerated bounce on the sofa, but his eyes were steadfast on mine as he beckoned me over. Come try this one, he called, drawing the eyes of a few other shoppers in the mostly silent store. We dedicated today to finally getting our act together and making a selection. Moving in together had mostly been a breeze, but now, two months in, and tired of lounging in bed or on the low-key, disgusting beanbag he'd had since we'd known each other at university, it was time. Today had been designated sofa day, and here we were, bouncing on sofas in public together. (laughs) We've been doing this all morning. One couch was too soft, another didn't have enough give, some were too deep, one was short enough to, in his words, keep a chiropractor in serious business. But this one, this one had promise. The spring was firm but soft enough for a long nap, and the colour was rich, a deep, jewel-toned velvet emerald. It looked like a throne a cat might one day want to curl up and fall asleep on in a sunbeam. Dwayne's arm snaked around me as soon as I sat down, drawing me in till I was mostly in his lap. Uh, I can't test the sofa if I'm sitting on you, I said pointedly. That's okay, he replied immediately. I'm testing it too. This is us testing it. See? (laughs) He moved his hands to my sides, and I knew what he was about to do. Don't, I started to warn, but I could see the mischief in his eyes just a second before he started to tickle me. My yelp only made him laugh harder which weakened his hold until I could eventually escape his clutches and jump out of his reach. I was still out of breath when I heard him say, yeah, this is the one. I looked at him, glasses slightly askew on his boyish face, and felt a rush of love. He was talking about the sofa, but when I echoed his words in my own head, I was talking about him. Sneaky, you brought the domesticity to public, a public You space. see, Nicole, sometimes I love how you see me and I'm so glad you spotted what I did there. I was like, well, at home, but we're in public. Yes, yes, yes. I love it. Thank you, Nicole. Wow, thank you. Thank you for seeing me. I really mean that. Thanks. Bim, you are a trip. I love that. That was so sweet. <laughs> Thank you very much. I appreciate it too. Um, I, uh, yeah, I'm going to sit with that drabble for a while, even after we finish recording. Um, but I want to hear who your drabble is about and also the content of said drabble because so many of the options I gave you were kind of like, I know not necessarily up your street. Yes, this is true. Um, okay. But I decided to go with David Duchovny. You know what? I knew it was going to be him. (laughs) I knew it was going to... You had the most to say about him. So I was like, "Mm." (laughs) my deductive reasoning has led me to believe Nicole is going to be doing something about a certain large-nosed man. And sure enough, (laughs) that's where you went. And I love it. I don't know. It's something about these East European um, descendants that have been ruining my (laughs) my life. For the last five to seven years. I don't know. That's your memoir. It's going to be Nicole and the Slabs. And I'm here for it. (sighs) Okay. Of course, I recognized him immediately. I'd know that nose anywhere. (laughs) But he clearly didn't want to be bothered. So I thought. 
The host sat him at a table in the back in the corner, a place for lovers meeting and those who wanted to be solo. That's why I was there, my coat and oversized purse in the chair opposite me, a huge pile of pasta, my own bottle of wine, and a thick book in front of me, the only company I needed. Before he sat down, David glanced at me and my table, took quick note of all of my do not disturb signs, and smirked a bit to himself. He sat in the chair facing me, his back to the rest of the restaurant. It didn't mean anything, right? I mean, he obviously didn't want anyone to notice him, but every time I looked up, there his eyes were, watching me. Oof. His face was a little swollen, perhaps from too early a morning or too late a night, but his eyes were bright with whatever story he was telling himself about me. After the fourth time of settling on each other's faces, he raised his own glass of something brown to me. I returned the toast and we both smiled into our drinks. As much as I wanted to see what that nose do, I found my book to be more interesting and soon lost myself in it and the rest of my bottle. I came back to reality when I heard David's chair pushing back from his table. We caught eyes again and he gave me a little salute. Enjoy, he said as he left and I nodded my head wordlessly. About 15 minutes later, I asked for my check. The waiter brought me the slim folder, but there was no check inside. Instead, there was a handwritten note. I hope you don't mind, but I took care of your check, including tip for you. Thank you for such a pleasurable meal. Maybe next time we'll be at the same table and I will know your name. He left a number beneath his signature. The waiter came back around to start clearing the table and winked at me. Oh my god, what a scenario. Man, put me in. I'm ready. I'm ready for that to happen. Open up the world uh, once the Rona is done with. Then, yes, send David Duchovny around to yeah pay my check and also leave his number. Wow, Nicole, what a world. Thank you. For, thanks for drawing that up. <sighs> um, yeah, you know, sometimes you want to be left alone, but also not, you know. You want to be seen, but you just don't want to be seen. Yes, exactly. I also just want to note something very quickly, which is I didn't realize, as we said before, we don't see each other's travels before we read them. Mm -hmm. But I hadn't known you were going to include his nose in literally (laughs) the first (laughs) sentence. And I just want to say sometimes I think to myself, are we hatched from the same smutty egg? And the answer sometimes is yes. Yes, we are. So thank you, Nicole, for dropping that in there for me. My pleasure. (laughs) (laughs) That's what she said. (laughs) Well, listeners, you know what we're going to do. We're going to give you a day to uh, let these drabbles marinate in your spirit. <laughs> and then we're going to post a poll on our Twitter account. That's at Thirst Aid Kit uh, on Friday. So you can vote which drabble, you know, did it for you. And, you know, whatever your choice is, please know we are all winners here. That's the spirit. Thank you so much, Nicole. I look forward to seeing where the listeners land this week because uh, I've made a choice and I'm not even going to say if it's mine. I don't think it is, but like <laughs> a lot has happened uh, since I heard your travel uh, and I'm, I'm very into my feelings right now. <laughs> One minute ago. <laughs> Listen, you don't know my life. I, on the inside, man, I've, re- I've reconfigurated like a whole bunch of, yeah, this week has suddenly lost shape. So I'm going to... I'm going to sit with that drabble a while too. I'm excited about this week. (laughs) 
First Aid Kit is a Slate production produced by Sher Vincent and us, Bimadiwunmi and Nicole Perkins. Our music is by Tanya Morgan. You can follow the show on Twitter at Thirst Aid Kit and we're on Tumblr at thirstaidkitpodcast.tumblr.com. The show goes out every Thursday or first day and quite a few people like to live tweet their listen. You can join them by using the hashtag TACPOD, that's T-A-K-P-O-D. Or you can write us an email at thirstaidkit at slate.com if you prefer. If you'd like to use our Thirst Familiar service, just send us a short, and we mean short, 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 <laughs> no longer than a minute message. The number is 510-984-4778. That's 510-9-THIRST. Non-US Thirst Buckets can send us a short voice note via email to thirstaidkit at slate.com. You can find all of our episodes and links to listen at slate.com slash podcast. And if you find yourself wishing you could get even more Thirst Aid Kit every single week, well, now you can. All you have to do is become a Slate Plus member. Slate Plus is Slate's membership program, and for just $35 for the first year, you'll get a little extra from this show and all other Slate shows. Plus, there are absolutely zero ads. Visit slate.com slash thirstaidplus to sign up. Be sure to take care of yourselves. You know, we still have a lot of work to do, so stay away from the crowds. Wear a mask. Save a life. Bye. Bye. When I was 16, I got a job at Sainsbury's which is a supermarket in the UK. And there was a boy who looked like Maze and I lost my shit every time he spoke to me. Aww. Like I was a mess. I'd be like, um, yeah, no, my, my shift starts at six. <laughs> I was a mess. I was a mess. He was so handsome. And then I, I saw him like maybe a few months later, he was kissing some next girl and I was like, oh, okay, crushed it. Because uh, I'm a narcissist and I'm yes. like, you gotta fancy only me back. And he didn't. Yeah. But like, I'm not kidding. When I first saw him, I literally stopped in the middle of my walk. I was like, oh shit, this is Sainsbury's Mace. <laughs>